Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. We are studying continually in the letter to the church in Corinth. We're up to uh, chapter 14 in this particular series. I think it said uh, episode 36. I haven't been keeping count for a while, but um, Remember 12, chapters 12, 13, and 14, all dealing with spiritual gifts within the assembly in Corinth, A.D. 57-58, is when this was all occurring. Um, Chapter 12 gave us all the gifts, listed them out. I think there was nine of them. And then then we have about... Um, uh, then we had another list that said the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and then other uh, other workers of uh, gifts within the church followed. We had a number of lists, and it was all defined quite well in the fact that all of them worked for one purpose within one body. And then chapter 13 told us that without the idea of agape love, the gifts were useless to those that had them. There was much teaching concerning that about the gifts, the idea of love, the supremacy of love, and the fact that when the perfect is come, many of these gifts would cease and become useless because they were uh, they were not useful or needed anymore since their task had had been completed. Now I know that not everybody agrees with that, but I'm dealing with scriptures as I see them, and I believe uh, I'm correct in this point. Now in chapter 14 of First Corinthians, we find a very specific list of instructions dealing with one issue after the other, teachings, if you will, concerning the use and purpose of the spiritual gifts that were present in the assembly in Corinth. You know, there's always been a huge argument about gifts today or gifts in general, and and the sides get all bolstered up, and the next thing you know, we've got people saying, uh, we don't, there never was any gifts, or there always is. and They just forget about the teaching here. The teaching is so clear. It lays everything out so precisely and so, so very clearly that um, when we know what it says and we understand what it says, there's no loss 
okay? That's the problem. People are, are afraid they're going to lose something within the faith if things turn out in a way that they don't, they don't want to uh, have happen. That's not the case. Once we know the truth, we see how it is, and the reason it is, we don't lose, we gain. It seems clear that the apostle felt it was necessary to set the tone and the boundaries in the use of these gifts in the assembly in Corinth and everywhere else, of course, because these letters were read to the various groups. These instructions are for Christians uh, in that time period. We can learn much from these instructions to them, though. While these gifts remained among them and to their proper use and place in the assemblies of that day, we can learn a lot from it. We see what God did for the church and how the church needed these gifts because the perfect had not yet come. And as the scripture teaches us in the previous chapters, that idea of the perfect that is come, which is the whole counsel of God, which is not only the only way the grammar will allow it to be, but it's the, over, the overview of everything we know from the New Testament writings and the things that have occurred. The whole counsel of God is the Bible, or the, as we call it, the Bible. In those days, it was scrolls. They were just starting to make codex, uh, put books together, sew them up, uh, sew sheets up, things of that sort. And put them in a collection, um, we, you know, that we, and I, I believe the, uh, the apostles, of course, uh, supervised the acceptance of these writings, and the churches uh, went from there. We know that when the whole counsel of God come, then many of these gifts ceased, became useless, and they were no longer present in the Lord's assemblies. <clears throat> now, that's what we know from, from Scripture. Now, we're, we're always going to have those that... Um, we find many gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, if you will, um, amongst Christian men and women. But... We find abilities, you know, we might want to call it gifts in the church atmosphere, but outside of the church, people call it abilities or uh, intellect or, or uh, feats of, of endurance or strength. And, you know, so it's hard for many people to separate these things in the way they should. But here's my point with this. When we know about what the gifts were to start with, when we got it down and we understand what was happening and that when there would come a time that these things would cease, then we don't feel a loss because we know that through the Word, through the Word, God will take care of us in our instruction 
It will build our faith. And, you know, this argument has been with, uh, this, this was one of the arguments of the restoration work 200 years ago about can one be saved through the word of God, the Bible, or does it take some manifestation from heaven to move you into that frame of mind? You can see why people would have a little question there except for one thing. The manifestation from heaven has already occurred. Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven to be with men. And he brought all of this with him. He sent his apostles out to distribute all from the mind of Christ to the people. And we call it the the assemblies of Christ, the Lord's church, the kingdom of God. But this, this scripture starts out in the first verse stands by itself, I think. Verse 1. And in Young's uh, translation, uh, others read just a little different, but the same, same idea. Pursue the love. That is the agape love. Pursue the love and seek earnestly the spiritual things. And rather that you may prophesy. He says a lot right there. Um, so much. To me, I just see an overview of it. Never stop promoting the living and, and the life that demonstrates this agape love to mankind. If you're doing that, you're confirming your faith in Christ by your actions. You don't need to preach a sermon. You're doing that. Just by that. Pursuing love. That means living it. That means that you are being that way. You have agape love. That's a love that, that is uh, selfless. It's a love that will discipline those that are come under your authority because you love them. For their good, that's that's not philanthropic love. Philanthropic love is is someone with much rewarding someone with little because they feel they deserve more. That's the real effort of philanthropic love, which is considered by most people in the world to be the highest form, that you would give something you have when you don't have to to somebody else. I mean, it's, it's good. It, is, it does show love of that sort. A regard is the way the English puts it. Seek earnestly the spiritual things. And those spirituals, as the scripture, it doesn't I use the word, I, the idea of gifts and things are all the same. Speaking about the spiritual, the spirituals, it's, it's plural because there's more than one. And those come from above. They weren't developed by men. They weren't developed by some clergy system in some church to benefit the people and give them talents and abilities and all that. That's not what these are. These are spiritual. These came from God to the church 
for the work that was done in the early, early days and when that work was complete and when they had the completed word of God in their hands, such as we do today, they no longer needed these spirituals. The apostle wants them to seek to prophesy. <coughs> Excuse me. He wants them to, of all the gifts, he would rather that they prophesy. And we're going to find out why he says that uh, in the verses to come. Now, what's prophecy defined? You know, I've heard prophecy defined from um, uh, from the the uh, the man that's prophesying or the woman that's just mouthing words and things. They seem to be checked out of everything except just that. All the way from that, from a guy standing behind a pulpit and preaching, he's prophesying too. There has to be a real definition here, okay? What does this prophecy mean? Um, I've heard it so many times that prophecy means, it can also mean to preach. Well, not, in, not this word. This word is to foretell things to come. In this verse, the speaker is speaking the words from heaven, the truth. That's what this prophecy is. The apostle would rather that the person, the, the gift they had was this gift, because why? Because it edifies the assembly every time it's, it's done. It's edifying the assembly because it's the truth. It's from heaven. How can any harm come from that? that it may correct a problem, but it's, it's edifying to the group. But when all has been revealed from heaven, from God, to man, even this will cease. Now, I understand that a lot of folks don't want it to cease. I, I understand it. I know why they don't want it to cease. But when, when the scriptures tell us that it's going to, then we're going to have to get on board with that and deal with it. You know, I've through all the years that I've been uh, in in the church, which is uh, more than I can count right now, about fifty anyway. Oh, more, any more than that. Uh, anyway, I won't do the math. Uh, anyway. What I've found is that actually within the society I live in, people don't believe the Bible. And it's as simple as that. They just don't accept it. Oh, they like some of the parts. They like some of the parts. Because you can go to that Bible and you can find something in there that you're doing and you can really build yourself up quite a little position. But basically, people are not taking it the way it should be. Uh, the oracles of God means that these are the things of God for you to know and to do, do the things that are pleasing to God and displeasing, how you can be saved from your sin 
and how if you don't do that, you will be lost. That's the oracles of God. Now, on the next verses, we're going to have to be able to make a comparison. He wants us to compare and think about what he's saying. What's he comparing? He's comparing what's known as here unknown tongues. Um, That simply means a language that no one understands that's in that assembly. Okay? That's an unknown tongue. He wants you to compare that to someone prophesying. In the prophesying, we, we never knew, we never heard of a prophecy that wasn't in the language of the people that were hearing the prophecy. You know, when the apostles preached on the day of Pentecost, there was all of those people from various nations, 14, I think, and they all heard the words preached in their own native tongue. That's the miracle of God. They heard the words. They understood what was being said. See, if we could understand the Bible easily in our words, because the Bible is not written in our language, we have to use translations and make sure that they're correct. He wants to compare the unknown tongues to prophecy, which is clear and understandable in the assembly. And we need to ask our questions, which one of these gifts will edify the church more? So let's look at what he says. Two through nine. For he who is speaking in an unknown tongue, to men he doth speak, he doth not speak, rather. If you drop that word, it changes everything. To men he doth not speak. They don't understand him. But to God. God understands. For no one doth hearken, and in spirit he doth speak secrets. Verse 3. And he who is prophesying to men doth speak edification and exhortation and comfort. He who is speaking in an unknown tongue himself himself doth edify, and he who is prophesying an assembly doth edify. So one in the unknown tongue is edifying himself because of the communication and the one who is prophesying is edifying the assembly, those that are hearing it. Verse 5, And I wish you all to speak with tongues, and more that you may prophesy. For greater is he who is prophesying than he who is speaking with tongues, except one may interpret that the assembly may receive edification. So there could be an unknown language spoken. But the, the way it should be is there's someone there to interpret that language into the language of the people in that assembly. Yet the things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or harp, if a difference in the sound they may not give, how 
shall be known that which is piped or that which is harped. For if also an uncertain sound of a trumpet may give, who shall prepare himself for battle? So, also you, if through the tongue speech easily understood you may not give, how shall that which is spoken be known? For you are speaking to air. So what do you think? What's more profitable for the assembly, the unknown tongue that no one understands or the prophecy? Well, the prophecy, of course. Does that mean tongues are wrong? No. It only means the unknown tongue needs one to uh, interpret the tongue in that day. Now, there's a lot of things we don't know about all, all that transpired, isn't there? We're, we're, getting the, we're getting the meat of it. We're not seeing every little thing involved here. But we can certainly see the big picture. The gifts are to edify the whole assembly. That's why they're there. Not just the one with the gift. The speaker. So this idea of, of uh, the, a prayer language and a tongue that no one else understands but you and God, uh, that's a, a, a concept. I don't know anybody that can explain that. Uh, but your communication uh, in prayer or with God is, um, may not be understandable to somebody else anyway, really. In the, in the times that you do so, just between you and him, as Jesus said, in your closet, uh, let's say. But within the assembly, things need to be useful. And I hope you can see this. Some tongues were understandable. They were in the language of the people. Or there was an interpreter but not all times apparently, or he wouldn't be bringing this up. Because remember what it says in verse 5. And I wish you all to speak with tongues, and more that you may prophesy, for greater is he who is prophesying than he who is speaking with tongues, except one may interpret, that the assembly may receive edification. And that's what it all boils down to. So these gifts while they, became, they, they become what we call charismatic gifts, which means they stand out in, in, in the group. This person is very charismatic because of this particular gift. That's what we hear today, although uh, I don't feel that that's legitimate. But I do know one thing. There's a lot of charismatic people. <laughs> They're charismatic. And when they start talking or doing things, you're going to look and you're going to listen, all right? So that's an, that's an issue. But it's, I think it's apart from the spiritual gifts that we're talking about here. And they may be using their charisma to get the message of, of, of uh, the cross out in a charismatic way that's very beneficial. And I think that's fine. So we need to judge this. You think we can judge this ourselves? I think we can. I think we're able to do so. Now, 
what these tongues were not in Corinth. Because as I said, many have declared that tongues are just mere babblings. They have no meaning. That's not so in this case. Even, even those things that were another language were still a language. He goes on to say that um, in, in the next verses we have, someone understands that language. So tongues are a language. Babbling, now, there may be babbling going on today that I, I don't know about. Uh, I don't believe that tongues are, are, have ceased. But, so maybe this, things that are tongues now are babbling. I don't know. But I'm not talking about things that are happening now. I'm talking about what happened then. All right? That's the difference. Someone somewhere could understand those languages. But if not, then someone in the assembly needed to interpret. Or rather, he would rather have one prophesy. So we need to seek if if we're if we have the gift of tongues in this day we should seek that there all we should pray that and seek that there's also one that interprets what is said in the assembly must be understood because if it's not it's out of order and God is a God of order not confusion confusion is some language that no one understands and that's confusion you go home i wonder what they said Okay. Now, as a younger man, I heard a man that had been going to uh, some churches that used, uh, that had so-called spiritual gifts and all. And he was sitting in there. He's first time he was in this group. And a man got up and, and started speaking in tongues and went on for some time sat back down. No one understood a thing he said. Another man stood up, reached in his coat pocket, pulled out a piece of paper and read it. And that was the interpretation. So the man told the preacher when he left, he says, I don't know which was the bigger miracle. The interpretation or the fact that the man had the piece of paper in his pocket and read it. And it was written down for him. So what do we say about these things? We have to qualify it. And I don't even know what was said. Was it beneficial for the assembly? Normally these things are come out to be praising God and thanking God and things of that sort that we could do with our own voice, couldn't we? With our own, in our own language. We don't need an interpreter for that. The last thing I'm going to talk about today is gifts must be must not be misused or misunderstood. They were being both first misunderstood, I think, and then misused for various reasons. But just read or listen or read along if you want. And we're going to stop at verse 20 today. He goes on in this vein. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices or languages in the world and none of them is unmeaning. If then I do not know the power of the voice, I shall be to him who is speaking a foreigner. He who is speaking to me a foreigner. So also you. 
since you are earnestly desirous of spiritual gifts for the building up of the assembly, seek that you may abound. Wherefore, he who is speaking in an unknown tongue, let him pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit doth pray, and my understanding is unfruitful. What then is it? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray also with the understanding. I will sing psalms with the Spirit, and I will sing psalms also with the understanding. Since if thou mayest bless with the Spirit, he who is filling the place of the unlearned, how shall he say amen at thy giving of thanks, since what thou dost say he hath not known or understood. For thou indeed dost give thanks well, but the other is not built up. I give thanks to my God more than all with tongues speaking. In other words, he's saying that he speaks in tongues more than all they giving thanks to God. But, verse 19, but in the assembly I wish to speak five words through my understanding than others also I may instruct, rather than myriads of words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, become not children in the understanding, but in the evil be ye babes. And in the understanding become ye perfect. And here the word perfect, obviously, is the, has the idea of maturity, full grown. In your thinking, in your understanding, be full grown. Be an adult. All things to the understanding. That's the point, isn't it? When these things are out of control, or become useless because no one knows what anybody's saying or everybody's speaking at once as we go on through this chapter, you're going to find that every error that possibly could be uh, done by people are being done, and he's going to bring it up. Bedlam is, is not helpful. All things are to be understood. Every part. I think we can agree on that. The showy gifts, as some would call it, can become useless if they are used as children play with toys. You think that ever happened? Well, obviously it did. Every time I think about that, I I think, well, these people were given gifts by God. I wonder, or through the Spirit, I wonder why that gift was given to somebody who was going to play with it as a child. But then again, remember, none of these people in the congregation are marionettes. There's no puppeteering going on here. These people have free will, and they are in control of all these gifts. Even though some said they weren't, well, I'm just prophesying, and when I'm prophesying, I can't stop. No, no. That's what we hear today. That's not true. The apostle says, 
the prophet is in control of his, his what he's saying. He can stop. He's not going to interrupt someone else who's prophesying. That's not, that's not God's order. So many things were happening to these folks. And it looks like they were playing with these gifts as children play with toys. Uh, let's look at Matthew 10, 16. The word of the Lord here in this. Um, remember when Jesus said this? Lo, I do send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as the serpents and simple as the doves. See, that's the concept that we need to be uh, as workers of the Lord. Um, some translations use that, the other wording there, um, um, uh, evil and, uh, and serpent and wise being pure. And, and this is a condition that we, we need to find our, put ourselves in in a proper light. It seems the gifts were used best by those that were mature in the faith. Not everyone. They weren't having problems with everybody that had certain gifts, not just these charismatic gifts, but other gifts. They weren't all being misused, but where they were, they caused confusion and, and order broke down in the assembly and that. That is of great apostolic concern, as it is in any congregation, where uh, the elders are, are mandated to keep order amongst the brethren. And of course, of course, we haven't said much about it, but all of this from our understanding in chapter 13 about gifts and then the idea of how they are part of the idea of love the attitude of love of the, of the brethren and loving what you're doing, all of this, if you consider that first, I don't think you're going to misappropriate these gifts unless for some reason um, you just have a little lack of understanding. So it may, be, it may have been um, innocently done many times or it may have been uh, using the gifts in a way to try to elevate oneself. Paul doesn't really make that charge, but it's very obvious here. That's what he's talking about. When Whatever you do, if it edifies the assembly, it certainly isn't you being raised above everyone else. It's just, just the opposite of that, isn't it? I think it is. So we'll move on from there. That's a good place to break, I think, as far as this goes, because we kind of go into a little more detailed teaching concerning uh, gifts. And these things are very obviously talking about within the assembly. We're going to get into this idea of what tongues for. There's an Old Testament scripture that talks about tongues, about how tongues Tongues are for the unbeliever, not the believer. In other words, the tongues are beneficial to those that are seeking 
know and to know God and to come to him, but they have no super, no real benefit for the believer in that case. Now, prophecy would, because those are things that are about to be, those things that are coming, things that edify the group. See, so there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. Um, and the, the commands at the end of this chapter will find that the apostle is very specific to keep this order amongst the men and women and all that transpires within the assembly to be done in a way that is pleasing to God. For that would be the reason you're there anyway. So we will pause there and pick this up. Probably be able to uh, do this chapter in uh, two more lessons. And then we should just be real settled on the issue of spiritual gifts. My hope. Uh, where we can help those that have a little misunderstanding of it or struggling with it in some way. All right. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.